Hello, everyone, and welcome to Writer's Block Podcast. I'm your host, J.R. Havlin. Tonight's episode brought to you by harmonicas. Isn't it time you pretend you're going to learn how to play one? I'm not going to beat around the bush here, Blockheads. This is honestly one of my favorite episodes ever. My guest is Charlie Grandy. Charlie and I worked together at The Daily Show many moons ago. I'm talking Kilbourne here, people. But we hadn't seen each other for years until we got together for this chat back in February. We started by catching up a little and reminiscing about the no-jokes-barred pre-John Stewart Daily Show. It was the Wild West. I mean, you could write anything, get away with anything. And it could be, you know, just there was no sense of responsibility yeah, right, in the writing. Right, right. It was just sort of the hardest jokes you could possibly yeah, the, do without swearing. That was when swearing. the people who were running it were as nervous as we were. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> with the freak of the week uh, field pieces and whatnot. <laughs> Shooting guns in trailer is, parks. And is, just, yeah. what, what weirdo can we sandbag this week? <laughs> <laughs> That is genuine joy you hear in my laughter. I had an amazing time talking to this amazing guy. And you're going to love this, Blockheads. Charlie gives us our first real peek into the world of Saturday Night Live. Finally, he ran Weekend Update over there for a couple of years and breaks that operation down very nicely indeed. Then he moved on to The Office, Guys with Kids, The Mindy Project. This one's packed, packed. We learn what it's like to feel like the worst writer in the room, what it's like to get your own series to air only to have it canceled, and how to get over those setbacks and move on in a positive direction. This is episode 39. My guest is Charlie Grandy. I'm J.R. Havlin. You're part of the Writer's Block now. Good choice. But I like the stuff that he's been talking about yeah, sure. already. Though. This is uh, interesting in the whole idea of story. And basically, that's the same thing. At, um, at the uh, at the Daily Show, with what has become more, far more of a focus on the packaging and yes. how how we're going to do this. John always saying like we'll come up with the jokes, and you can come up with the jokes, um, and yet you are fully expected to come up with jokes in the first round. Right. Uh, yeah. Of yeah. Course, I mean, of you course. don't you don't hand in like a nice story without the jokes. Right. Right. Because you don't look good doing that either. Right. Right. <laughs> you know. So. And you have to take the time, like, you don't want to write a joke that you don't think is funny. No. So you have to take the time to write these jokes that you think are funny, that you think could go on the show, and you probably think should go on the show, knowing they're almost (laughs) certainly not going on the show. And I'm going to have to do this again, not only with the same level of talent, and commitment, but with the same level of enthusiasm. Right. And that's where I can see a lot of people breaking down. And that's something that like, I've always felt like when I do it day after day, I'm not sure how I continue doing that. I'm always kind of like, wow, how am I still excited right now? (laughs) This doesn't make sense to me. Right. I mean, do you feel some of it, the nice thing about The Daily Show is it is the quality is so good. Like at the end of the day, you can look at it and whether or not you, um, had a huge impact on what was actually said, you can say, well, I was part of something great. I mean, you are sort of day in and day out putting out a fantastic show. And and it's, I imagine, much better to do that than to be the same grind. Because it's all hard. We're good shows, bad shows. Like, it's all hard. Yeah. At least the end product's good. You know, there's right. so many times you're like toiling away and uh, 
it's not, you know, in the end product sucks. And you're like, well, not only did I kill myself trying to get all these jokes, the final I'm not product, even proud of the right, thing. Right, right, right. And, and that's, you know, that's, that's another like huge factor in my longevity there is right. the idea that like, what in the fuck is wrong with working here? Like, yeah, nothing. exactly. Like I've always had this feeling like this is a, this job is exactly the job that I always thought I would like was the ideal thing. Like if, and I've always thought to myself, if I didn't have this job, it's a job I would want. Right. So, um, so why would I go anywhere? Well, there are reasons to go places and sure. I know those reasons and maybe I will, but, um, but that's, that is the other thing. It's sort of like, regardless of what happens with, uh, um, with what I'm doing or some frustrations that I might have at the end of the day, this is a good show. It gets great attention. I think it really, and the idea that it's been going on this long and kind of keeps rolling is really sort of extraordinarily nuts. I mean, that it is the way that I am and the commitment that I'll give to something, the fact that this show has essentially outlasted me just astonishes me. Right. Like the fact that I kind of want to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I know. It's shocking for me to hear. I mean, that's the real news. I want to interview you about that. Yeah, you know, well, feel free. Take over. Uh, yeah, because you started there in 1996, right? You were the first, one of the first hires. Like I that was the first... first day. I was, yeah, I was, I was there from the first day. It was right. June 3rd, 1996. That's amazing. Yeah. And I mean, you can imagine all of the different kind of stages that the show has had. So, yeah. you know, and and the challenge of hanging on and being even a cog right. for that long is no simple task. Because right. so. it wasn't just a show. It was the network. I mean, Comedy Central grew up between The Daily Show and South Park. It feels like those two shows really put it on the map and then other shows have come along. But, it, it you know... It branded an entire network. Yeah, definitely and, and, been a flagship, and then yeah. you know, offshoots Colbert, which right. is by far you know, I mean, which is now winning the all the awards and stuff, right. and and gave John Oliver to HBO, and right, you know, yeah, and has let go of a an amazing crop of people who have yeah. gone on to do like uh, amazing things. Not well, only the correspondence, obviously, right. you know, you get your Carell and Colbert and and and, Ed and, 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 and Ed, all those levels. Right. But a lot of the other, a lot of the other players are, are no slouches. Right. And then the writing and production talent that's come through there have gone on and, and consistently gotten work. I mean, there aren't a lot of people, particularly once we got rolling. Right. Some of the original writers that left are doing things that they might not want to do or whatever, but there aren't a lot of people who have not, gone on and gotten solid work and right. done good work because right. that's just the, they're, they're talented people to get in there in the first place right um and i'm talking to one of them we're talking to one of them welcome to writer's block this is uh charlie grandy hello or as uh, <laughs> my uh, apple maps calls you charlie grandy <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> no it was gr andy oh really yeah no. it's gr andy <laughs> that should be my professional name much fancier <laughs> charlie gr andy <laughs> Charlie's writer for the uh, Mindy Project currently. Mm -hmm. Yep, uh, which is uh, one of the uh, w one of the better sitcoms on television. So yeah, yeah. You were friends with her already, were you? Not? Yeah, I've known her forever. Um, I think we may have actually gone to Mindy's. Uh, you know, I think five years younger than I am, but I feel we were at the same middle school in Cambridge, Massachusetts, <laughs> yeah. and we sort of have that bond, like having grown up very wow, close geez. to each other. Yeah. And then when she was a guest writer on Saturday Night Live for a week when I was there and I think I just started producing weekend update and um, she came in and she had a, like the one thing she got on that week was a, it was a feature for Will Forte playing Chad Michael Murray. I can't remember what the jokes were, but so, and then I came to the office and she was um, very nice to me and what far and away my favorite. Writer? It's um, they'll do it from time to time. <coughs> you know, Mindy was, uh, 
sort of had an immediate impact on the office and through Mike Schur, who'd been who'd produced Weekend Update before me and then went on to the office and of course Parks and Rec and Brooklyn Nine Nine. Um, I think it told Lorne, you know, maybe bring her in for a week. I think maybe they were thinking about bringing her on to the cast because this was between seasons one and two of The Office when The Office hadn't been picked up yet. Yeah, and so actually everyone, had a, like a rough first season. Really rough first season. I mean, it was only six episodes, but again, it was in the shadow of the English version yeah. and, you know, you had a network. I mean, Zucker, at the time Kevin Riley was the president and then you had Zucker who the chairman was maybe the title, but... Zucker was convinced a, a single cam could never work, um, be a hit show, and, and Kevin Riley really stuck his neck out for the show and, and bet his career yeah, on and, it. Yeah, and, there um, was a, a I talked to Larry Wilmore, and he, he oh, mentioned, yeah. he mentioned mm-hmm. him. Yeah, yeah, that whole season, season one and two, season two especially of The Office, I think is for my money the best season of, of an American sitcom ever. I just think it's so tight. Going back, so I can season re- two, season Gotta two, go back and look at that. Yeah, they right. sort of cha- you know they made a change in the character. A very subtle one, but it was, you know, Steve, they were doing a very sort of uh, correct and accurate portrayal of what the Ricky Gervais, David Brent character had been, which was just sort of a little bit meaner, meaner, a little bit more self-serving. And then they had this alter, Steve kind of changed the character going into season two, where he was more sweeter and he was just a guy looking for friendship, looking for love. He was completely unself-aware. He was right. running desperately away from any sort of self-awareness. And but he became a much more sympathetic character. He wasn't, yeah. you know. Which is entirely necessary and was something that like that Ricky Gervais could pull off. And and again, Larry talked about this and just wasn't working for Steve. Yeah. But what Steve could really pull off was the character that you're describing. Yeah. And they they Fortunately, we're given the time to find that footing, mm-hmm. to recognize that footing, and then to execute it. And yeah. man, what a guy to do it. I mean, Carell is just... He's unbelievable. Yeah, like His it. talent. I mean, it was just on... <clears throat> I remember my very first episode, the very first scene I ever saw, uh, shot on that show. It was a talking head of Steve Carell and Amy Ryan. And it's like at seven in the morning and you have these two people... They do they do what you wrote for them perfectly, and then Steve will say, I "Actually, have a few ideas. You mind if we do a few more?" And then he'll just rattle off versions that he's just come up with in his head, completely in character, and they're as good, if not better, than what an entire writing staff spent a week trying to fit craft for him. Yeah. You know. Meanwhile, the writing staff is over there, just like, but you know, sticking a pencil into their leg. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Don't yeah. use that one. Right. Right. You're just like, well, wait till we get to editing. We'll see what ends up in the final yeah, cut. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mister. Mister Improv. Yeah. Yeah. yeah go ahead. Do your, do your extra thing. Yeah. We got plenty of tape. Right. Yeah. No problem. <laughs> right. Right. So uh, Charlie just rattled off um, a, a couple of things that uh, he's been involved in. We'll, we'll talk about those. Uh, uh, Saturday Night Live uh, being one of them, uh, um, and uh, then uh, working over at the office, and then from there, uh, well, you also were created, created your a own show. show yeah, uh, I da- left dads with kids, guys with kids, guys with kids. Yeah, <clears throat> and uh, I'd like to talk about that because yeah. unfortunately, it didn't really. It got on, but it didn't get off the ground, which right. is too bad. So uh, it, that may be a thorn in your side, but I, I'm interested in that yeah. process. And um, and then we'll get uh, over to the mini project a little bit. I've already talked to David Stassen, who was fun to talk oh, to. Oh, great! Fun to okay, so yeah, I love Stassen. Um, yeah, so we got a little bit of the uh, behind the scenes, mm-hmm. especially since he's uh, the uh, he's on you know, the he's, floor. He's on the floor. All yeah, the time. and he was there season one, and season one was just crazy. The stories I've heard of, of yeah. just the, how they were put through the ringer, and and season one of a show is always difficult, but. I feel like they are the successful version of that story. And I, guys with kids is the unsuccessful version of yeah, that, right. that well, story. We'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> yeah. Find out those two yeah, versions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, uh, 
your beginning was The uh, Daily Show. This mm-hmm. was your first uh, comedy writing job. Uh, why don't we go through real quick uh, kind of how you how you got there? Yeah. I had moved to New York in 1997, the fall of 1997. Just having graduated? Just having graduated. And, um, you know, and I had a writing partner, this guy, Dan Gore, who then went on to Parks and Rec and created Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And we had done a bunch of shows together, written shows through college and said, we're going to be writing partners. We're going to go to New York and, and try to make it. And I think two days before graduation, he got a grant to basically travel around the world. I think the only stipulation of the grant was he could not be in the United States. And so... And do what? Whatever. I guess it was a grant to... It was a surfing grant. It, more or less. I mean, if he, he could have gone and surfed in Bali and, and all he had to do was come back to school and give a speech. I mean, it was just one of these ridiculous things. And it was through his dorm as well. It wasn't even... And it was just kind of handed to him. Anyway, I went to New York and I'd had this plan. And I was like, well, now that? I've got a year till this guy is going to come back. And I'd always loved stand-up, so I just started doing, you know, open mics and um, bringer shows at the um, comedy, what was it, the... Comedy Cellar? No, oh. Uptown, East Side. Um, oh, Comic Strip. Yeah, Comic Strip. And um, and then, you know, just sort of, and then through that, met uh, was reconnected with this woman, Annie Russoff, who I'd gone to grade school with. And she yeah, was, show, she yeah. was a Madeline Smithberg's yeah. uh, assistant. And went to her birthday party, and uh, you were probably there. I mean, it was basically all the writers from The Daily Show. And was it at a bar? Was yeah, it was at a bar. Okay. It was like dinner in a bar, and and um, and uh, I wonder. I always liked Annie a lot. Do you have you in touch with her? No, okay. no. But so. uh, uh, it was you know basically reconnected, and everyone was there from The Daily Show, and were was talking. Uh, maybe even Chris Kresge was there, and well, yeah, you know, Kresge was short-lived head writer. Yeah. yeah. He said they were looking for writers, and so uh, at this point, Dan had come back, and and um, we cranked out a bunch of jokes, and they liked them, and they said write a few more, and I think they gave us like a twenty-four hour turnaround, and they liked those, and then they brought us in for an interview, and that was that. We were hired, but you were moving from your old building to what I think is now even the Colbert offices. Yeah. Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. So we we. We had like three months off before they'd have room for us on the show. So it was like we were in this great position. This was the summer of 98. Wait, so were you there? This was 98. So you were there with Kilbourne. Oh, yeah. We, yeah, our we first six Kilbourne. months were with Kilbourne. Yeah, right. Um, and he immediately liked us because we were tall. Right. Like that was <laughs> that was like, that's all it so, took. We weren't funny. We weren't good at all. But we were tall. That. And I anyone totally that didn't make that. him feel like a, a yes. freakish Frankenstein lumbering around the halls, he liked. You I, know? I, I have a very specific memory of him like complimenting you guys on your height. On your height. Yeah. And that's all that mattered. Like it, it really, it didn't. It's so, it's very Jokes Craig. didn't care. Yeah. Yeah, right. And so that's how that. That's how that happened. When we got there, our offices, they hadn't even finished like drywalling or anything. So the first two weeks we would, in the morning, we would take a laptop and we'd have, we went to some diner down the street and we had to do all our writing there and then hurry back and print up. And back then you still, you don't read your jokes anymore, right? Because this format is so different. No, we used to, we used to go in and read our own past. Right. To to, uh, to Craig Craig. and and Madeline and and all the other writers. And no, sometimes Craig wouldn't even be in the room. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. but that carried over into John, and he and we would read them with John in the room, and then he yeah. was like, "This is a massive waste of time." Right, he was totally right. right. But it was great training. I mean, as a as like a new writer, and to go from Craig, where it was the Wild West. I mean, you could write anything, get away with anything, and if you had a joke that didn't make the pack, you could go into Madeline's office and argue for it. And it could be, you know, just there was no sense of responsibility yeah, right, in the writing. Right. It was just sort of 
the hardest jokes you could possibly yeah, the, do that without was when swearing. the people who were running it were as nervous as we were right right exactly <laughs> but you know to go from that which was nice because you're just trying to get stuff on the air when you're first starting. And then John came in and he had a point of view and he had a conscience and, and um, was <laughs> suddenly <very laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. don't, and, don't undersell the previous daily show. Right, 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 right. <laughs> it was the, its own the, thing. It was its own thing. The unconscious, no point of view. Daily <laughs> right, right, <show>. right. <laughs> With the freak of the week, uh, field pieces and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> shooting guns and trailer parks and is, just, yeah. what, what weirdo can we sandbag this week <laughs> <laughs> what, what complete blank idiot can right. no one knew of the show you know <coughs> just having him like lead with sign this release yeah. you know <laughs> this guy believes that aliens are going to land on his house right right let's go talk to yeah. him let's go and ridicule really him for the purposes of ridiculing him <laughs> right. no other no other point yeah. of view yeah let's go make this mentally challenged guy running for congress cry <laughs> Yeah. Oh God! And yet, perhaps some of the funniest field pieces. We've <laughs> right. Ever exactly. Done. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> there's still to this day, there are few people have come close to a Whitney Brown in terms of just like sharpness. Unfortunately, not a lot of that stuff is available to view yeah. uh, at all. But uh, um, some of it was uh, really, really fun to do. Let's. Uh, uh, we're going to take a little bit of a break and then uh, um, come back. Get off of the Daily Show. Get on with the rest of uh, Charlie G. R. Andy's career. <laughs> which has been good. Uh, we'll be right back. I love it. I love it. I love it. I hope you do too. You got questions. You got comments. We got email. It's writersblockpodcast at gmail.com. Let me hear from you. Also, follow us on Twitter at writersblockpod. I'm at J.R. Havlin. Charlie's at C.B. Grandy. And let's not give up on at Katy Perry. Get in on the ground floor, blockheads. Little Katie's going to be huge. Mark my words. Now, as promised, behind the scenes at SNL from an actual behind the scener, my friend Charlie G.R. Andy. All right, so uh, we're back now with uh, uh, Charlie Grandy. We'll just call you Charlie Grandy. We, Thank that, you. that gag is played out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's uh, the first twenty-minute segment. Yeah, we'll come up with new gags for the second twenty-minute. Right segment. now, we see even this <laughs> that show we'll quickly just, tire of. This show adjusts, <laughs> right. you know, as we go, just like any right. other. And uh, when you get um, two really, old hands together, you can do that kind of stuff. Yeah, you you want to stick around to the end when it's really really good. The last minute of this, <laughs> of this really, podcast, you're gonna be on your ass. Yeah, <laughs> if you miss it, it's your mistake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's your mistake. Don't don't go to work tomorrow having missed it. <laughs> right. And uh, uh, and what are you going to talk to with your friends? You know, what are you going to talk about? Uh, you guys uh, uh, stayed at uh, um, the Daily Show for a few years, a couple of years, yeah. two or three years. Two, yeah, two and a half, three years. Um, and then you uh, left for a variety of reasons, we'll say. Yeah. And um, you landed at SNL. How long did that take? six weeks or something but dan did not go there with no no we sort of split up as a writing team you know we tried to write movies together it wasn't working it just wasn't we just you know weren't compatible in bed anymore i understand uh but we uh no we we split up because we were great at editing each other's material which was perfect for the daily show because you'd write a bunch of jokes and you had just someone who had a good ear and could say don't do don't submit that this is maybe better but when it came to more long-form stuff trying to write sitcoms trying to write movies together it just was, it was too much of a kind of tug of war over who, you know, who was in charge, who got to, so it just wasn't working. It wasn't a, it wasn't a great writing partnership. Right. 
So um, we went our own ways and also just to stay friends. It was like we could sort of just focus and beat each other up in the writer's room, maybe come up with something great, but let's just forget that and stay good friends. <coughs> Which is what happened. And Dan became the first head writer on Last Call with Carson Daly, and I went over to Weekend Update on Saturday Night Live. Um, and you, um, so tell me about Weekend Update. You you start there and just add, that's because that's kind of a different crew from the sketch crew. Yeah, yeah. They'd sort of basically um, Tina and Jimmy had taken over the previous season, and um, Mike Schur had just moved up to, I guess, Robert Carlock had been producing it for that first season. And then he left to go right on Joey and Mike Schur then became the producer of Weekend Update. God, all these names. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy uh, what everyone from Update has gone on to do. Right. Specifically I mean, Update. Just, yeah. Just almost any show that you mention, all the name, the, the, the overlap, you know. Yes. Like, well, yeah. I mean, and I think that's a big part of it. Um, we talk about this a lot in writer's rooms of just when you're assembling a staff and, and comedy you need. So much of comedy is confidence and being comfortable. And, and so, yeah, you're going to hire people you've worked with right. before and that you're comfortable with. And, and so it can become a little clannish, mm -hmm. but the the stakes are so high, especially when you're trying to get a show off the ground. It's it's just very tough to risk, especially on a high level person, someone you don't know, because um, they maybe have been great elsewhere, but they may not be great with you. And, and it's tough. So you right. kind of tend to stick to people that you've worked with before. But um yeah, to the question, Mike um, brought me in and, and Tina really wanted people to just focus on update because she'd had a problem, I think, in that first year with people that were trying to write sketch, trying Tina to write jokes. Tina was a head writer already when you started? Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, wow. and this was her first season. This was her second season on update. Um, okay. And uh, in my interview, it was actually funny. I came in, <laughs> I believe I was wearing a hat that said awesome on it, <laughs> just for fun. <laughs> and, uh, wow. and then Bold. Bold. And then... Jimmy found up did me by coming in uh, or outdid me by coming in and he fell asleep in the middle of my interview, <laughs> wow. which was great. Is that true? That's true. That's 100% true. How is that possible? Like you guys I think he was tired. I mean, it felt, yeah, he was saying we were talking, we were talking and he, then halfway through, he just kind of pulled his wow. hat down over his eyes and he fell asleep. It was one of those things too, where you're just like, oh, okay, I've got this job. Like it's not, it was so brash. It felt, uh, but it wasn't a bit. Uh, anyway, That's I got the job, hilarious. so who cares? And, uh, and then we created guys with kids together, so it all worked out. Yeah. Oh, you did that with Jimmy Fallon? Yeah. Oh, okay. We put a re the rest of the country to sleep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we'll talk about guys with yeah, kids. Yeah. Very briefly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is more for you than me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not um, me, it's you. <laughs> so I was, uh, yeah, I was there for seven seasons, eight seasons, and wow. was wrote for wrote on update for three or four seasons. But you were running it by the end. By you? the end, yeah, for the last three seasons. When Jimmy left, Mike had left around so the So Mike sure was running Mike when, sure you, left when you to started. Go, right, and then Mike left to go right on The Office. Right. And then I took over and ran it when Tina and Amy were hosting it, mm -hmm. and then when Seth and Amy were hosting it. Wow. And then Amy and I left at the same time. Amy Great left talent, to go do too. Great. Yeah, yeah, no, it's incredible. I mean, just to have worked with those people. And that was the nice thing about Update is you always knew you had 10 minutes of airtime each week. So it wasn't right. quite the fist fight that it was as a, on the yeah, sketch yeah, side yeah, to, yeah. to get stuff to air. And that you got to work, you were writing for uh, Tina and Jimmy and then Tina and Amy. I mean, you're writing with some of, if not the strongest cast members right. every week. And then on top of that, if anyone has a great feature idea, Fred Armisen, Will Forte, Kristen Wiig has a great feature idea, then you get to be a part of that too. Right, but so I would imagine. It was, so, so tell me uh, about the you know your kind of daily process. Uh, I think SNL certainly on the sketch side is notorious for this whole like 
you know, uh, Wednesday night till seven or whatever night that is that they yeah. do that. And uh, uh, I think that's a little bit um, that that doesn't go for every other night. I think it kind yeah, of it's one Tuesday, specific Yeah, your night. table read is Wednesday, so Tuesday night you're up all night writing sketches. Because okay. again, you know, people would try to write stuff Monday, but it really does kind of die on the vine. It's so funny, you know, you can try to alter the system and it just doesn't work. You know, you, you can try to prepare, you can try to write ahead, but there is something to be said for that late night inspiration. If you have people who can do it, you know, but if you have like, you know, Will Ferrell loopy at two in the morning and Adam McKay is writing the sketch, you're probably not going to get something funnier than that. Mm-hmm. If no matter, you know, if you prepare or something, that's right. just going to be the funniest thing. Because also the sketch, like it has to be a great sketch is a very simple idea, a perfectly executed, very simple idea. So it doesn't, you know, it doesn't take a lot. The, the hard part's coming up with the idea, it seems. Did you feel like, uh, um, I mean, you went into the Weekend Update thing. Did, that was your goal? Did, did you have any interest in being in the sketch side? Yeah, I wanted to, but, you know, Tina was pretty adamant about just When you went in me... for your interview, what was it? It was just for update, but there is a thought, you know, a soul, like you could write sketches too, but it just, I was sort of sequestered from the rest of the staff and I'm just a naturally diligent person and was terrified, you know, of, of losing the job. You know, it's, there is a high turnover rate. Basically, if you can make it through your first two years there, you're, you're set. Those first two years, you're on 13 week contracts. And I was just terrified of not getting picked up and you're writing jokes for tina who has a big say in who gets high who gets brought back I, and who i've doesn't. been on 13 week contract yeah. for, for 17 years yeah right exactly <laughs> yeah 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 it's always a little disheartening when you know your your agent calls you up and says hey good news you got picked up and you're like good god i didn't even realize i was under review <laughs> like Lord. Or, yeah yeah good what's Lord, going is on there are cameras yeah is yeah watching me right now? <laughs> yeah yeah um so it's you know it it, it was nerve-wracking and and i just made a con and my first, I would try to write sketches and they weren't great because it's a skill and you really have to work at it. Yeah, and right. I just decided, I made a conscious decision. I said, no, I'm just going <clears> to, <throat> I'll just become the best joke writer I can. I'll just really focus on oh, that. I'm, and I'm there, glad you put I can in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> just, um, I'll just become the best joke writer. I'll just become the best joke writer. Of all time. Of all time. Uh, but that was the goal. Like, I just wanted to outwrite everyone. And, you know, Tina, Jimmy, everyone was writing jokes and I just wanted to out that was kind of what i would do to motivate myself so most of it at the beginning was really you you weren't you were focusing on the desk jokes setup jokes i mean it really is just sort of monologuish setup that's all it was um what about the involvement then of like those pieces where you know they slide in in the chair and do their thing drunk uncle blah 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 i didn't really work on those until i started producing because then you're in charge of it so you'd read it over and you might punch it you might suggest cuts um but I really wouldn't write a ton of those either. You so know, your I, job at the beginning was literally like, Charlie, go give us a pile of jokes for the desk. Exa- that's all it was. Yeah. So it was very similar to what The Daily Show was when I first started. When it was like you'd have your five stories and you'd do, you know, four, three to four jokes on each story and then you're out. Sort of. I, I, I feel like, you know, maybe this was just me maybe like reading into it a little too much. But I remember when you took over. You know, because I remember you were there for a while. Mm-hmm. I was happy for you to do it. You know, this is like a good spot. Right. And then I remember hearing that now, you now, hey, you know, Charlie's like running the Weekend Update desk. Right. And I was like, wow, that's cool. And then I started actually paying more attention to it. Mm-hmm. So I might have missed something up to that point. But uh, it occurred to me in watching it, it had some more kind of visual and more Daily Show-ish sort well, of elements to and it. And we tried to do that, you know, Tino. Not that they were copying. No, no, but no. Like, but we were, you know, it, there was this sense that, you know, Weekend Update had kind of been the gold standard of political commentary and the daily show just came in and, and took it you know it's it just they were beating us at our own game and you know so we tried to introduce you know 
Tina really wanted to introduce video when I was right there. I was like, yeah, let's let's try to do some of these things that are more an accurate news parody of today's news programs. Yeah, right. But we just don't have the infrastructure for it. I mean, your set is thrown up in a minute when you come, you know, that weekend update set is where people do the monologue. That's where that mm -hmm. set is. So like they put that thing up and rip it down in a minute long commercial break. And and so and then in terms of graphics packages, you just don't have the money or even the equipment <laughs> to do fast builds to run, you know, to run very elaborate graphics packages. And there's something about the charm and kind of simple hokiness of it that I think works. And and so we would play with it, but it never it was never good enough. And and it was again it just was not set up for that. Part of the charm is that sort of simplicity and that idea that like we're supposedly doing a new thing here, but clearly right. this is a cardboard background. Yeah, yeah. It's you very tongue in cheek. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. This is I think a not accurate map of the world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was I'm, painted from memory. You know? I'm pretty sure New York is smaller than South America. Right, exactly, exactly. Not on this one. No, I don't no. know why that is. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, but it just it allowed you to try more things, you know, and uh, and also the audience, like what the audience would laugh at. Like there were jokes that we would write and, and pieces that we would do, you know, a, a commentary or something that it felt as if it would be totally what you would do on The Daily Show and have the jokes that would work on The Daily Show, but it's just not what the audience wanted. And you kind of have to give the audience what they want. Let's put you in a, in a, in a schedule where you've got like a four-week run or something like that. So yeah. how did your week kind of break down from uh, the weekend uptake standpoint? And yeah. do you have any idea how similar that is now? I have to imagine it's pretty similar. Okay, so I, I don't did think it it's true. I mean, basically, you come in Monday and you start writing jokes. You Sundays know, off. Sundays, Mon yeah, Sundays are off, and and uh, so there's um, uh, a producer of Weekend Update named Scott Weinstein, and he basically every day by twelve or one has assembled uh, just the setups packet, and what that is is he's gone through all the papers and news feeds and kind of writes the setups for every joke, you know, sort of wow, condenses. Sweet, the, it's that's really my, nice. That's, it's that, really nice. Wow. Could I do some damage yeah. to a pile? Like and then that? you're Fantastic. handed. Yeah. So you're handed like this 10 page document and have a setup with lines. It feels like you're taking a test. Honestly, you're given this packet. And I, then I just sit down with my pen and just start making notes and like, okay, here's some jokes. And then I, I try to type up those notes that night and then hand, and then that was it. And I wouldn't read everything until, Thursday night, I'd start reading everyone's jokes, and uh, and then on and then Monday and this Tuesday. Is Monday night. This You're is Monday night. I'd, I'd start writing for Sunday. So you or for Saturday. Right, right, right. But I mean, but you're working into the night on Monday. I mean, this yeah. Is, I mean, this I, is not a nine to five job. No, no, no. I mean, it it could be, but it also feels so much, especially Monday and Tuesday. So much of the action takes place at night that it, you know, I you'd roll in between 11 and 12 and then you'd just stay till you needed to stay. I mean, it was a great schedule. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're single and right, right, having yeah, exactly. fun in New York, it's, yeah, it's yeah, a great schedule. Um, and so, and you'd stay late and then people would come into your office if they had an idea for a, a weekend update piece, you know, it's like, Hey, I'm thinking about, you know, Forte would come and be like, Hey, I'm thinking about a Tim Calhoun. And, and do you think Lauren would want to do that? And yeah, you know, but maybe try to tie it to these stories. So it has some now we're talking relevance. about, and I'm glad we're in this period already. We're talking about when you're running. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, and then it's basically that, you know, and then you have the table read on, uh, Wednesday and, and you see if any of the update pieces worked, which they rarely did at the table. They, so they, they, they wouldn't do the weekend update read at the table or did they, they wouldn't do jokes no no no. but they would do the the features okay you okay. know like a drunk uncle or right. then drunk girl and and then it would just be 
if someone was lighting the show, it'd be like, oh, let's try to come up with a feature for this person. Or or Tina would usually get an idea and, and write a feature or for someone. the host is frequently on. Or the, the, yeah, not as much as you'd think. You know, that was always a tougher because it, it update works better with a big character to play against sort of the straightness of the host. And so unless you have a host, uh, the, the weekend update host, I'm sorry, but the guest host it's rare that they can come in yeah, with and a be bigger than and be, and be, yeah. yeah. You know, it's like, it works perfectly. Okay. We're in like, who is it? Like drunk uncles, like drunker uncle comes in as John Goodman. I think it's like, yeah, you know, you sort right. of come in and you kind of provide a four line blow to a character. Four um, line blow. What is it's like, mean? you know, like four lines of dialogue, you know? So like oh, okay. you kind of blow the scene, but you come in and like you top whatever drunk uncle is done right, and, okay. and you know, that's it. So it all sort of culminates Friday where I've gone through, I've read everything highlighted the jokes that I like and we'll see like okay here's some stories that I don't think we have jokes on so I'd either take a crack at them or, or farm it out to the guys who are then writing and fortunately I had Alex Bays and Doug Ables and, mm -hmm. and Doug and I started the great time <clears throat> Doug is uh, fantastic but Alex Bays is the best joke writer I mean he took over update after I left right. and now he's running Seth's show and he's just a monster so yeah. to have that guy writing jokes made my job very easy. Did Alex Bays move over to Seth's show? Now? Yeah he's head writer. Oh, okay. Okay. So anyway, you'd, you'd farm it out. And then we, the best part of the job was Friday night. Uh, you, we'd all, all the writers and, um, then this would be Tina and Amy. We'd go into a, a room, like a dressing room and we'd sit around, we'd have like cheese and crackers. There'd be some wine and they would just read all the jokes that I'd highlighted. And then they'd do their picks. And if there were things that hadn't worked, um, had they not seen anything up to that no, point? No, they hadn't seen anything. Wow, Friday so, night. So that's Friday night. And because Tina's working on stuff, that may not happen till 10. Yeah. And so then you do all... So Friday night's the real late night for update. Whereas for the sketch writers, it's Tuesday night. Right. Um, they do the picks and then I take that packet and then I, I sort of, I format it and there's a very specific and, and kind of choose the order, assign jokes to people, right. figure out what's still missing. And then Saturday you come in and all the jokes are laid out on the table and they kind of can ding jokes, say, I want to change this, you know? And, and so that's sort of the last of the rewriting before you get to dress rehearsal. And then, and then there's, then there's the tweaks after that. Right. Sometimes and dress rehearsal. Than others, I would imagine. And, yeah. And about half the jokes fall out. You go in really fat to dress rehearsal. You draw oh, really? from about 20 minutes to 10 minutes and you'll usually Is lose dress a rehearsal feature. Is dress rehearsal two hours or something? It's longer. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. It's really long. Yeah. Okay. So it can be a real brutal march <laughs> wow. through comedy hell yeah. but uh but when it works it's great there are times when things work much better in dress rehearsal um than they do at air who knows why right and um, dress rehearsal for anybody that doesn't know it uh at snl is is literally done saturday night yeah at, i think at it starts like at eight, eight or something yeah. like that and then, so then they go through that and then they then they call through and and pick the sketches they're going to yep. do and 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 rewrite the update right away. Tough. Update, yeah, yeah. And you, wow, yeah. rough. What a what a like a yeah. high pressure thing. And it's fun. I mean, it's fun. You get you certainly um, have a huge sense of accomplishment. You feel like you've put on a show every week, and that's a nice thing. Then it's over, and then you start again. And Great. there's no, you don't feel like uh, you're there's any carryover from the previous week. It's just that's behind us. Good or bad, that's behind us. And and let's let's do the next one. That's the trick. Yeah. Uh, we'll be right back and we'll talk. Uh, we'll get into uh, scripted with my guest, Charlie Grandy. I'm J.R. Howland. This is the Writer's Block. See you in a bit. Was I right or was I right? At CB Grandy. Really knows how to break it down. 
was so interesting for me to finally hear about SNL. I hope you dug it, too. Now we move on to scripted, episodic, the ups, the downs, the successes, the not-so-successes. It's all in here, people, and it's headed straight for your ear holes. We're back. This is uh, J.R. Havlin, writer's block, Charlie Grandy, guest. We're in his son's bedroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an aircraft carrier next to me. There's uh, what appears to be your son's bedroom has a Chinatown, which I think is nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you leave, that you leave that. I was an there. East Asian studies major, so yeah. it's sort of required. Were you? I was, yeah. <laughs> oh, fantastic. And yeah. why not? Yeah, right, right. Hey, got a major in something. All right, so we had a great conversation, I think, about uh, um, Saturday Night Live. I'm glad that uh, I could talk to you and, and get a little behind the scenes thing on that. And it's uh, it was interesting to hear that uh, process. Yeah. One that. Uh, is different from stuff I've talked about before and and wasn't aware of. So you're welcome, listeners. <laughs> and so then you move over to uh, um, the office to begin yeah. your uh, to begin your sitcom writing career, right? Uh, which uh, moved on to a show that you created and then on to uh, um, the Mindy Project. Yep. And rather than get into too much about how you got those jobs, there were a couple of things we were talking about before we uh, rolled tape here. And uh, um, and I want to address those things. And, and uh, uh, like one of them was, first of all, kind of fascinating, the idea of first getting to the show and just really being lost. The idea of transitioning not just from The Daily Show to SNL Weekend Update, which has got a, a, a huge similarity. Yeah. But now coming from that to this script written world, you felt a little lost and even yeah. more nervous than yeah. SNL. Yeah, completely lost. Because, you know, as mentioned like i was just a joke writer at snl i wrote a few features but really my folk no scenes like maybe one sketch and very late in the show was not good so the idea of scene structure let alone episodic structure was completely foreign to me and i'd written spec scripts but you know you can spend months on those and and you have very little amount of time to break a story once you're up in production and so i was just floundering you know i really felt like it was back to joke to joke and just trying to feel comfortable in a room and the room at the time when I got there was incredible. I mean, you had Greg Daniels was running it and then you had Paul Lieberstein who played Toby. Um, Mike (coughs) Schur had left. He was in the process of creating Parks and Rec at the time. And Lee, uh, Lee Eisenberg and Gene Stepnitsky who wrote Bad Teacher and then are now have like three shows on the air, Trophy Wife, um, Bad Teacher, the TV shows coming. I mean, it's just, it was the, the quality of the room was, was fantastic. Mm -hmm. So and they all knew what they were doing, and I felt like they were all and the younger than on the me. show, which is and then established the, yeah, and then they, yeah, and the talent was on the show, so you have guys and like also Steve... note BJ Novak and and, and right. Mindy Kaling are also on the right, and they're great too. I mean, so even you know to to suddenly go from being kind of top dog to being very noticeably the worst person on the staff <laughs> um, was yeah, uh, was harrowing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I still have to wear it. <laughs> um, so it's. Uh, yeah, it was tough, but it was exactly why I left SNL. I was just feeling a little bit calcified. I felt like I'd done everything I was going to do there. And I had kids at that point, and I just made a decision like, well, I could, if I re-up, my contract was up at SNL. And it's like, if I re-up, I'm basically admitting I'm going to stay here forever because my kids will get older and we'll just settle into life in New Jersey. And, and 
but I'd never gotten in. I didn't go into comedy writing to get into late night. It was just the first job I got was at the Daily Show right. and that inertia and that just you know the job led to the next job and they're all you, late your night. goal was scripted you, was scripted. Okay. That's what I'd always wanted yeah. to do. Um, yeah, that was not that was not mine. Which yeah. is a different yeah. So you but you take to... the first job you get when someone right, pays sure. you to write comedy. Like you don't <clears> care what yeah. it is. You fucking and you take learned it. plenty. I mean, yes, it's not no, like completely. there's not joke writing no, no, going no. on in the scripted, but the but the idea of story and character development was something that you had not studied and weren't really right and you and hadn't internalized and it took a really long time to just internalize that where it happens the the nice thing is greg daniels really should be a a college professor i mean on top of being the best story person i've ever worked with he's just very patient and very good at teaching people very good at breaking things down and he really enjoys teaching people how to write. I mean, he can be very demanding and, and can be very tough on you, but it, it feels, you know, when it took me, I think five scripts, it wasn't till the fifth script I wrote for the office where he came in and was like, great draft. And that was just one of those moments where that you'll never forget. You're no, like, oh, nice. I finally yeah. did it. Like I finally figured out how to do this. So your first four must've been pretty shitty, pretty shitty. Yeah, they were. I mean, I won't lie. Like they were, they were not good. They're ripped apart. You bring them in and you think they're as good as you can do. I mean, you've, you've, yeah. You've pulled oh, but then your you hair have to out sit through the process and of seeing to, them get changed. Right. And, and, and people really... sort of read it and they just sort of, they throw it down and it's like, okay, let's open a new document and start again. And you're just there and they'll, and it's Oof. tough, but that's wow. just the way it works. And that's start how you get better. Your stuff and... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, fortunately, you know, the good thing is Greg is, is, has a very hard time firing people. And, um, <laughs> thanks for that. Yeah. And I knew randomly, you know, one of the reasons I got the job on the office is because when I was on the daily show. I got a call from some kid who just graduated from Brown and said, hey, I'm interested in getting uh, getting into comedy writing. I'm currently an intern on Conan and you're on The Daily Show. Would you can I take you out for a beer and you can tell me how you got into business? So I went out and that was John Krasinski. And so, yeah, and that was when I was at The Daily Show. So that was just one of those things that kind of lined up then, you know. Five, six years, seven years later, he's on Jim Halpert on The Office and, wow. and uh, was able to so put you, in a good word. Yeah, right, right. Like, so, oh, this yeah, guy helped me when I was nothing. Yeah, so that's another thing, too. Just help, you know, anytime anyone asks me, it, I can't read as much, but I'm always happy to talk to people about it because, it, you know, you never know. But that's interesting. That helps you get on this, uh, um, get, get on this. Plus, was, uh, uh, I guess Michael was over there. Right? Yeah, Mike sure had been there, yeah. and and you know he was leaving to do Parks and Rec, and you know I he'd produced Weekend Update, I produced Weekend Update, um, but Mike had come in. Mike had really Mike had been a sketch writer who went over to Update. So again, like his knowledge of how to write right. scenes was much higher than mine when yeah, so right. it felt like a bit of a bait and switch. You know, I was brought in to be the next Michael Sure. Do you think uh, there's a way to? Uh, is there a realistic way to? learn how to write scenes and get better at writing scenes outside of working on the staff. I mean, obviously once you get in, there's, you're going to get that much better because you're doing a real thing and you're working with people who are making you better. Right. But before that, you know, um, what could you have done to not have gone in so green? I, you know, I I think just written more and more specs, you know, written movies, it's just a volume thing, you know, it's and and everyone has their different learning curves. I feel mine was very slow. It just Uh takes me a long time. To get something but once i get it i have it you know but in and again internalize is sort of a word i use a lot where it's just become second nature and how you think of stories how you um think of scenes and, and what's a fun game for this scene and all those you know i knew all those terms 
I just didn't know how it was. I was not good at applying them. I, I, I thought I knew what they meant, but I, I wasn't doing it naturally. And so let's just define one of the terms. Just I'll take a fun game for this scene. What What is an example of that? I guess, you know, and I'll use one that just popped in my head and it wasn't mine. But I remember Lee and Jean wrote a scene um, for it was Michael and Dwight. And it was a lot of exposition. It was a real pipey scene, not inherently funny. And so they just had, you know, as typical, they just had um, Dwight do, all he wanted to do was that game. He's like, hey, do, do you ever play this game? And it was where you pretend to crack an egg on someone mm -hmm. and you say the rhyme. And that just became the game of the scene of Michael was very intently watching like Amy Ryan maybe flirt with Rob Hubel or something like that. And so he's not in a good state. And then Dwight's just being annoying by doing that. And that just just something like it's, you know, they're better examples, but that to me is just like, what's the game? How is this scene funny? Well, what so, were they talking about before? The egg thing was put in afterwards? The, the egg, no, that was just part, that was part of the scene, but it just made the scene funny. Okay, it gave yeah. it a physical thing that made right. an otherwise pipey, fairly dramatic scene. Oh, so in funny. other words, you, yeah, so the, so the scene, the, the, the purpose of it as far as story is concerned is there, but without this, without him doing this additional scene thing, right this additional annoying thing while they're talking about what you need to talk about to further right, the story, right. it go, it's flat. Right. And there was, oh, another, this may have even been the same episode. This was another Lee and Jean who I idolized. They were just my, them and, and Mindy, I just, I, they just loved, really sort of tried to model my writing after theirs uh -huh. when I got to the show. And they wrote a scene where Pam and Jim come back from their honeymoon and Aaron, um, played by Ellie Kemper, is the new receptionist. And I think it's the one of the first interactions between Aaron and Pam. And it could have been very pipey, sort of lots of dialogue, you know, what's... Again, the, well, just real quick on the yeah. pipey. Which oh, pipe is like... just information. It's okay. sort of what's the information that's not inherently funny. You know, it's like... Are these terms that carry over to all the other shows? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, laying pipe you is kind of like how, you know, that's sort of the hard part of every okay. episode is, is what's the boring information that you have to get out right. that allows all of the rest of the comedy to be built on top uh -huh. of it. Um, so, it, you, but the whole scene is just um, Pam has brought candies from her honeymoon that she wants to put on the desk, the front yeah, desk, yeah. and Aaron needs to make sure they get Michael's approval, and yeah. Pam's like, it'll be fine, and Aaron says, well, no, I should just get it, so there's no fight, but just the tension, and that was the game of the scene, was just that, and there was no, you know, you just got it all from the attitude of these two characters, yeah, and it was, right. it's an incredibly well-written scene, and, and it establishes relationships, and it was done so simply. It creates a tension between Pam and, and Yeah, and Aaron, in, in their different, you know, Aaron, Pam had always rolled her eyes at Michael, but also kind of respected him towards the end, and whereas Aaron just flat out loved him, and idolized him from the very beginning and, right. and just this one very simple concept very real type scenario perfectly highlighted that yeah like it's interesting like and that's what i like about good shows when you see these things that fit into this scene but also like when you describe this thing which seems like a simple idiotic thing mm -hmm. but what it does for that character like let's just focus on the aaron character what that little scene that you described does for Aaron's character is way bigger than a lot of people even realize. When right. they're watching, they don't even realize what's happening to them. Right. What they're processing is what they're being told is this woman is subservient to Michael in a way that was not there before and is going to make a different kind of relationship with them and the other people within the office. Right. And so, but the idea, and that was the purpose. Right. And, but whether or not in before that scene was written, whoever's running the show says, I need you to do something that shows that she's right. subservient to him. That probably didn't happen, but the fact that it came off that way is like perfect because 
it just works for that character and it furthers that character. I love that kind of stuff. And yeah. then to make it funny on top of that, it's beautiful. And and the good shows office and uh, and I think Dan's doing a really good job mm-hmm. with that over at, uh, um, Brooklyn. At, at Brooklyn. It's yeah. the progression of that show was quick and strong. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you're at the office uh, for a while, and mm-hmm. that's interesting. Like you, you, how long did you write for them? Four seasons. Four seasons, and so, so did it take like the entire first season or more before or less before I, you were it, like? Oh, I think boy. it took me two seasons to really, you know, and, and that was a combination of just getting better at it, <coughs> and then also high high level people leaving, and so more, you know, more being put on your shoulders. Um, right. You know, first Mike left, and then. Lee and Jean left and this woman, Jen Salata, left and Greg was really no longer a big part of the show. He was at parks and developing new stuff. And, and, um, and you know, BJ and Mindy were on the floor so much because their characters right. had more and more to do. And, right. and um, so you're just kind of given more responsibility whether you're ready for it or not. Mm-hmm. And you just kind of have to rise. But it, yeah, it didn't feel like till season three or season four that I really said, okay, I get it. I'm comfortable here. I know how this works. I can go run rooms and stuff. So let's uh, talk about that as far as running a room. Mm-hmm. And you, you learned all that stuff and then you go off and you create this other show with Jimmy How because you had known him from SNL. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now, did you pitch this idea to him? No, he came to me. He and his production partner <coughs> uh, was a woman named Amy Ozels who I'd gone to college mm-hmm. with and had known forever. And um, She was at The Tonight Show. Yes. and uh, Or at Fallon. Uh, yeah. And so she contacted me and said, Hey, Jimmy has this idea for a show at the time it was called Dilfs. Uh, basically we, we, she was out here. She said, Hey, I want to take you out to lunch. Jimmy has some ideas. We're starting a production company and, and we think you would be good to write them. And she says, okay, so we have two ideas. The first one is, uh, it, we don't have a big idea. We just know it's called Dilfs. And I said, okay, uh, what's the second idea? Yeah. She said, it's called Chinese dentist. And I said, okay, tell me more about DILFs. <laughs> <laughs> that's true? Yeah, that's true. Oh, my God. And, uh, and <laughs> Let's go back a step. Yeah, yeah. And but they really <laughs> didn't have anything on top of the... Uh, they had nothing on top of the... Um, uh, I'm going to write up Chinese the Dentist. So yeah, 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 exactly. And actually, it wasn't a bad... Chinese Dentist is not... A, it's the, I, the premise is it's a, uh, it's a Korean dentist in a small town who everyone just assumes is Chinese. So it's kind of a fish out of water story. I was just not the right person to write it. I think there is a very good show there, but um, it was not for me. So, but I did have kids and, um, and so we, we worked on that and, uh, but, but but I, I think you went to yeah. We have not explained Dilfs yet when you say, well, they didn't, they, they just had an idea. Dad, I, they had, was, a, dad I'd like to fuck, but yeah, the, but it really is. The idea was dad's, Hands-on dads. The hands-on dads. Yeah. Stay at home. One of them was. Yeah. One. One of them was stay at home, and and uh, they're sort of. Did, one was divorced, and and you know had a contentious relationship. The other guy was sort of a super super dad. Was uh, that hashed out before he handed? No, none of that. I okay. was I was handed. Dilfs was always handed, and and then the fo- opening scene was Jimmy, and it was Dilfs, and there has to be a moment where the guys are all watching a, a game in a bar, and they turn around, they're all wearing yeah, yeah, and right. that ended up being the first image of yeah, the pilot. Right. It was so it just had to have those things in it. So I went out and I. But did you get a created by on this? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, we shared it, you know. Yeah, yeah. But sure. um, so I, I had an idea and and I I wanted to work with Jimmy just because I developed unsuccessfully in the past and now you really just need heavy hitters. You need to go in, you know, to what's going to differentiate your project from all the projects that they're yeah. making. And Jimmy, that combined with he's just really funny and he's mm-hmm. great and for multicam especially has very good sense of what's going to work in front of a live audience and um so we came up with this or the original idea was a show about guys who'd found out that they were dads through like a sperm bank thing and 
And that fell apart. Like we couldn't agree with the network on how to make it work. And so that fell apart and we thought the project was dead. And then I just came up with a very simple premise of what the show ended up being. It's like, let's just do three dads. They live in the same building and, um, you know, they're two guys, best friends. And there's this third guy, Gary, who's just this loser stay at home dad who is completely overwhelmed with his four kids, who's just desperate for any sort of male attention. And he kind of comes in and, and, um, and the, one of the first people we cast was Anthony Anderson as mm -hmm. Gary. And so that character had to change because now you have Anthony Anderson. And so now this person has to become a much bigger part of the show than was intended. And, um, you know, so it was just an interesting education and in like how these things get put together and how they change and, and how they last or don't last. And, uh, but it was, a, you know, I, I loved it. It was a great experience and it was fun coming from late night to be in front of a live audience and, and make people laugh. And especially right. when they come in and you can feel them resisting at first and you, and you win them over. And, right. and we had great actors um, and people, you know, Zach Kreger and Anthony Anderson and Tempest Bledsoe and Aaron Hayes were just naturally great in front of an audience had done a ton of live uh, either right. stand up or sketch or were just great actors. And then Jesse and, and Jamie Lynn got so good so fast. Um, Jesse, especially by like, episode three we kind of figured out his character and yeah. i wish we'd been given more time like i really do feel i mean we were I, we got one review out of i think the 200 outlets we got one favorable review i mean we were just killed coming out of the gate yeah. like we just weren't given a shot and um that was frustrating and uh demoralizing and and i just you know we weren't given how bad ratings are all around, I feel, and we weren't an expensive show. And I really feel we started to hit our stride towards those last couple of episodes. And um, I, I was upset. I really wanted it to continue because I feel we had the cast to really put on a good, solid multicam, which is all we'd ever wanted to do. When I mean, we went into the pitch, we we're like, we're not trying to do community. We're not trying to do parks. We're not trying to do workaholics. Like we just want a real down. We want to be big bang theory, like for NBC with a, with sort of some family ties elements. And right. that's an easy thing to sell, but you know, you, you're like, it's not, we, and they say we don't expect it to, you know, be critically acclaimed. We don't expect it to get numbers. These things have to grow. And then exactly what they didn't expect happens or what, you know, what, yeah. what they do expect happens and they start to lose faith in yeah, it almost right. immediately. So it was tough, you know, but it led me to the Mindy Project, and this is the the best show, the most fun I've ever had um, writing right now. It's like this is, I think, I'd say the highlight of my career is working well, on this show right now. Well, I'm really happy for you. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I, I can imagine like it's a it's a bummer this other project that like uh, um, you know to be able to run it and and all those things and to have it be successful obviously for a variety of reasons would have uh, been a, a very positive thing for you. Right you know, uh, uh, out of that pile that it became, though, you get a job that you're happy in, and that's, right. a, that's a good thing. You deserve that. And you're working on a show that is, again, you can be uh, uh, proud of. I mean, it's yeah. a really good thing. And uh, um, there's no need to talk too much about the mini project. Uh, uh, I talked to David Stassen, um, Go Back uh, uh, Blockheads, and check out that episode if you want to know more about the uh, inner workings of that. It's a good episode. David's a writer over there and mm -hmm. uh, um, uh, partners with Ike Barinholtz, and, and um, he had a lot of great stuff to say. It's a good episode, so check it out. Charlie Grandy, thanks for letting me into your house. My pleasure. Uh, it's great to see you. Like great we to said, see you. it's been years and years I know, and years. I know. Um, you look exactly the same. You're so not wearing you. glasses you anymore. You need to shave. I know. You need to shave. I always need to shave. That's uh, my thing. Well, I've, got, I've gotten LASIK <laughs> surgery LA since I've met oh, you. Oh, okay. Wow. Insane. Wow. I, I that, got that didn't even exist when I we have, met. I, <laughs> <laughs> I got it. I learned about it on AOL. Right. right exactly. Yeah. yeah. So there's some Last year. Yeah. 
Uh, it's great to see you. Uh, um, congratulations and, uh, and uh, continued success on, uh, on the Mindy Project and, uh, and the next project that you put together for yourself. I'm sure Thank you, you will. Thank you. All right. Uh, um, say good night, Charlie. Good night. That's it. Thanks again to Charlie Grandy and everybody else who's ever worked at The Daily Show and The Daily Show with Jon Stewart for being part of 18 of the best years of my life. Thanks for listening. Say goodnight, Blockheads. Blockheads.